Good morning. It's really good to see you. We're going to be in our Colossians series that's titled Filled, Complete, Whole, and we're in week three together, and this is all because of this mystery that we can be filled, complete, whole. I want to begin with a question that I'm going to ask you to participate with me in. I'm going to ask you this question. If you agree, well, it's actually a statement. If you agree with the statement, I want you to not think about it too hard. It's not a trick statement. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just asking you if you agree or disagree. And if you agree with this statement, I want you to quickly raise your hand, okay? So here's the statement. This world as it is now is messed up. All right. So most of us quickly agree with that statement. And uh, I think we don't have to travel far to... uh, see that that's true. I don't think we have to go looking outside of Cottonwood. The reality is I don't think you have to go looking outside of your own house. (laughs) Right? I mean, why is the world so messed up? Because I am, you know, and I'm part of the world and I'm messed up too. But I want to uh, start today by showing you that even in my own backyard, I have some video footage of how messed up this world is. And so here's a real quick footage. Now, I'm not a National Geographic photographer. This, I, if I had a Zoom, I could get a lot closer. This is my old iPhone before Zoom. And so we'll talk about it in a moment. Here it is, a video. This is a tarantula hawk. It is dragging a tarantula, which has been stunned by the tarantula hawk, and it's being dragged upside down. It's going to be placed within that tarantula hawk's den. That tarantula hawk will implant an egg into the tarantula hawk's abdomen while it is still alive. That tarantula hawk will then close up his den so that the tarantula can't get out, and then the egg will hatch inside of that tarantula, and the larva will start to eat that live tarantula and eat around its organs so that it'll stay alive and keep this larva alive long enough to change into a tarantula hawk and then the tarantula dies and the tarantula hawk gets out away and flies away free. Isn't that messed up? (laughs) It is so messed up. And yet, um, I'm in some speculation land here, okay? So I happen to believe that's messed up. A lot of scientists would say that's beautiful. That's the circle of life. And they will get into how beautiful that is. But I'm going to jump into some prophecy as background to what we're getting into when we jump into Colossians to say, no, that's messed up. So point number one is messed up. And I'm going to go ahead and have you fill in all the blanks first because we're going to go from messed up to cleaned up to the mystery, which actually is uh, going to solve all of this for us. We actually have a messed up world. Now, some would say that whole cycle of death is normal. And they would say things like, it's normal that your cat plays with the mouse, torturing it to death, even when it's not hungry. They would say, that's normal. I say, that's messed up. Okay? And I want to say that's messed up, and from my standpoint, it's messed up because it's, we're part of a fallen world. The Bible talks about this all through, from beginning to end, this fallen world, that it's a messed up world. And a lot of people have trouble with uh, 
questions like this, if God was so good, why does he make such a messed up world? And they have trouble with things like the tarantula hawk. If God is so good, why would he make this so messed up? Why would he make my cat so messed up? And so on and so forth. But most people don't turn on God over their tarantula hawk or their cat. They usually turn on God when it gets more personal, when such and such a thing happened. Why did you let this thing happen? And maybe I prayed that you wouldn't let this happen, and it happened. And, and then God gets blamed for a lot of things, including the pandemic, okay? And how messed up it is, and people that we know, that we love, that died. And, and fingers get pointed, and people start struggling with faith because this world is so messed up. Now, all this is still background as we jump into Colossians in a moment. But before we jump into Colossians, just some background here. Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, rebukes a storm. And in my opinion, when Jesus rebukes a storm, that means this storm or something behind this storm is dark and deserves God's rebuke. So we shouldn't be calling what is messed up God's fault. If God himself rebukes something in the created order in this fallen world's realm. That's an interesting thought. And we actually read in Romans chapter 8 that we're all subject to a frustration and a futility in creation, that all creation itself is groaning, waiting to be redeemed when all this messed up world gets cleaned up and is reconciled and is no longer messed up. That's what we're looking forward to, and Romans 8 describes that, even in the creation itself, the created order, and the groaning world in which we live. So if you've not heard this, it's important for you to hear this, and we get pictures of how after it's cleaned up, and after all of the fallenness of this world is put back together, it's no longer messed up in this way. And here's an example um, that I want to read out of Isaiah, but we're already moving from messed up to cleaned up, and this is a picture of how God cleans it all up. It's not cleaned up yet. Isaiah speaks this way. Chapter 11, 6 through 10. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed, the cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, let me just say the root of Jesse is the lineage of David, and they're referring to the Messiah, and the root of Jesse is a reference to the Messiah. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. That's cleaned up. That's a picture of the future. And I don't think it's just poetic imagery. I think we're getting a picture of how things will be put back together before the fall of the earth and all those messed up things God is going to make 
put back together. And we're not just floating in the clouds and nebulous, unknown, I don't know what that is. There's a new heavens, new earth coming together in a reconciled state in which it's beautiful and peaceful and no more death, no more crying, no more pain, and all to the glory of Christ. This is a picture that we have. So all of this is orientation and large picture background before we jump into a little further look, still out of chapter one of Colossians. We're gonna start this time with Colossians one, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we're looking forward to a time when God will reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, um, if this world was fully reconciled, that video I showed you, first of all, could have been a lot uh, closer. I could have gotten within inches. But I had this wide-angle camera. I wasn't going to get close to that tarantula hawk. I mean, I had to keep my distance, and I was already really, with that wide angle, I was way too close to comfort, right? And, and what we're talking about is, in the future... We can get as close as we want, and first of all, we won't be taking videos of a messed up thing. We're going to take videos, maybe, <laughs> photographic memory videos, I don't know, of uh, how beautiful the glory of God is. Now, we have this question. Jesus is going to reconcile all things on earth and heaven? What does that mean? Well, let me just put it this way. Jesus is Lord of all creation. And he's going to become uh, recognized as Lord of all creation. But I want you to notice that verse 20 actually has a qualifier in the second half of the sentence. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, here's the qualifier, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So those are two realms that he's going to reconcile together. All things in earth and all things in heaven are going to be reconciled together where he's Lord of all. But actually in Colossians, we've already read about a third realm not mentioned in this sentence. We've read about the domain of darkness. That's a different realm. The domain of darkness out of which we are rescued. Earlier in the chapter, we talked about that. Through Jesus, we're rescued out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he loves. And it's going to be in that kingdom that heaven and earth are reconciled and brought under his domain. The third domain that's not mentioned here is going to be called hell. Because all those people who do not wish to be reconciled, their freedom of desire and will is honored. If they don't want to be with God, they're not forced to be with God. They never wanted to be with God in this life. And when judgment takes place, because they never wanted to be with God in this life, and they want to run their own life and be their own God and rule themselves, whether 
on earth or in heavenly realms, whether in the unseen realms or in the seen realms, all of the rebellion behind this fallen world are going to get what they desire. Life without God forever in the third realm, the domain of darkness, which will be called hell. Got quiet. So, these are pretty stark terms, but it's all described as glorious what God has done. Because apart from what Jesus has done, we would all get what we deserve. Because we all raised our life in a raised fist of rebellion. I want to run my own life. I want to do my own will. I want to do what I want to do. We've all done this. And God's kingdom is a kingdom where we say, no, I want to do what you want. I know that that's glory, and what I wanted is not glory. And as we see this, because we see the gloriousness of Jesus himself, we choose Jesus and his kingdom over our own little pitiful kingdom of darkness. And when we choose Jesus' kingdom, because of his grace, he makes it possible for us to enter into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, God's dear Son. So, we're going to continue reading in a moment, but I'm going to give you a heads up to look for something as we read. I want you to look for a description of what we were, and I'll give you a hint. We were alienated from God. I want you to look for a description of what we are now if we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll give you a hint. We are reconciled with God. And I want you to look for a description of what we will be holy and without blemish and free from any accusation. That is not true yet. But that is what we will be. And I want you to look for that. Let's pick up from Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel... This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What God did was powerful enough to break our formally hardened and rebellious hearts. And as our hearts break, looking at the grand, almost hard to fathom love of God to send his son to take on our punishment, our rebellious, hardened hearts break. And we respond. Which reminds me of an old story. You've probably heard this story, but it bears repeating. A man and his wife driving down the road in their car. The man was driving, and his wife was sitting on her side by the window. She noticed a courting couple in the passing car. 
It set the thoughts running through her mind. Fred, she said, do you remember when we was a courtin'? Yep, he said, sure do. Do you remember how you would hold my hand? Sure do. Do you remember how close we used to sit when we went out in that old car of yours? Yep, I remember. Do you remember how you would put your one arm around me and drive with just one hand, Fred? Sure do, he said. Well, she said, how come we don't sit like that no more? He said, I ain't moved. And the point of the story is, God isn't the one that moved. We were the ones that moved away from God, rebelled against him, and we started a cascade of effects. And we weren't the only ones. There were angelic beings in the realm of heaven that moved, that tempted us to move away into a domain of darkness with them, And we are in a messed up world where we've got a domain of darkness and a kingdom of light that is occupying the same space, so to speak, and overlapping. We even see it sometimes occupying the same space in our own hearts and overlapping sometimes, frequently. And it's part of our messed up world The good news is that God did what he needed to do to clean it up so that we would be fully cleaned up to get to the place that he would have us be right next to him in his warm embrace because we've had our hearts broken, softened to him, and we want to be with him. So this world is messed up. God sent Jesus to clean it up, and he did it through this mystery that we're going to talk about. Point number three, mystery. Let's pick up from verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me, to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. What is the mystery? The mystery, the main subject of the mystery is a revealed subject, And the main subject is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the subject. He is this mystery that is now revealed. 
Specifically, verse 21 says, what is this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. But there are two surprises here. Not just one, two. This first surprise that has been revealed is this. As members of his body, we just read about it earlier in verse 24, they had Christ's life within them. That's why we could be called as a church the body of Christ, that Christ's life is now within us. That's the first mystery, that Christ in you is your hope of glory. The second ministry, uh, the second mystery, surprise, is mystery upon mystery, Christ the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, the Jewish king and deliverer, the one who is going to save Israel from the domination of all the Gentile nations, this Messiah would be the king of all, even Gentiles. That was the big surprise. There was a surprise in that, and really a huge mystery, which I think is the big mystery, is Christ in me? But from a Jewish point of view, they've read Ezekiel. The eventually, the Spirit of God is going to be entering into our hearts so that we would want to do the will of God and obey from the inside out the will of God. That was already prophesied that our heart of stone would be removed and replaced with a heart of flesh and God's spirit would be placed inside of us. That was already revealed. But this mystery, surprise, that Gentiles and these Colossians would be included in the kingdom was surprise upon surprise. Now, these are important truths in the context of the controversy that was taking place in the church at Colossae. Then, and these are important truths in the context of the controversies that are taking place here and now in our church in Cottonwood and in churches all across the globe. And I want to just point out how relevant these, this mystery is. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is so important for us to get a hold of. The hope of our glory is not in Jewish practices. The hope of our glory is not in obedience of the law. The hope of our glory is not in rituals of religion. The hope of our glory is not in other mysteries that we need to figure out, secrets that some teacher might tell you, here's what you need and you don't know yet. It's already been revealed it's already revealed to us. It's still a secret to outsiders because they don't know that Jesus Christ is God. They don't know that Jesus Christ is the one who literally made it possible for us to be washed clean by what he did on the cross. They don't know that he made it possible for us to be vessels that are filled up with the life of Christ in his spirit. This is the hope of glory, but it's available to you and me. Gentiles. The whole world. There is not a soul on this planet that it can't reach if that person would like to respond to the God that loves them that much. Our hope of glory is Christ. 
It is still a mystery to outsiders. It is revealed to us, yet it is not a secret. It's the good news that's available to you and me, and it's available every day to turn from our sin, to turn from the darkness, to turn from the messed up world that's inside my heart, and turn to God and wash clean, filled up with the Spirit of God. The hope of glory is bubbling through my veins in the life Jesus has given me and you. I think this is a good place to stop. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord God, we sometimes get overly familiar with the central truths and they seem trite. They seem ho-hum as if we already know this and yet this mystery is so beyond the exhausting depth of the riches that are available to us and we are so grateful that our sins could be buried with you and your life of righteousness could be resurrected in a new life with us. New creatures in a world that's still messed up but you have a plan to fully reconcile, fully redeem where there is no blemish no accusation possible that we will be right next to you experiencing the grand and glorious love which is yours, which even now is just a taste for, for us. We want more. We slide over to you. We want to know you more. We want you to fill us more. We want to honor you more. We want to experience this glory and shine more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you don't know a lot about this glory, we have a prayer team that's going to be here ready to pray with you. Maybe you've been experiencing darkness and not glory. Have them pray for you. Maybe you, the messed up world has touched your life. Have them pray for you. He is our glorious king. I can't wait to see you next week because we're going to find the hidden treasures that are found in Christ. See you next week. God bless you.